In our gospel today, the Mount of Transfiguration, we have as a, a context the Old Testament story of Mount Sinai. Okay, so we've got Mount of Transfiguration, Mount Sinai. We've also got some other mountains, though. This passage for year A comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And in Matthew, the Mount of Transfiguration is one of three mountains in the Gospel. And it comes right in the center of the Gospel. Okay, so it's the central mountain, so to speak. The first mountain comes right at the beginning of Christ's discourses and teachings as recorded in Matthew. And that is the famous mountain on which Jesus gave the sermon. Okay, we refer to the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. And then the other mountain, the important mountain, it comes towards the end. It's Mount Calvary. Okay, the mountain, so to speak, it's really just a little hill, <laughs> but they're known as mountains, at least in the biblical vocabulary. The mountain upon which our Lord shed his blood to merit for us the grace of transformation. So what we're looking at here with the transfiguration is really an image of our own transformation in God's grace, destined for God's glory. God's grace is the seed that flowers in glory in eternity. So when we see Jesus glorified, we're looking at ourselves. But that grace of transfiguration was earned for us on Mount Calvary, because that's where we're heading this Lent. We have to remember and understand we're heading all throughout Lent towards Good Friday, towards Christ's suffering on the cross. And Jesus decided to give a bit of Easter resurrection glory to his disciples here at the Mount of Transfiguration, because he knew that when they got to Good Friday, they could stumble and fall. They could doubt that he's the Son of God. They could doubt God's calling on, on Jesus, on their own lives, and God's plan. Okay, because he knows that's going to be a real test for them. So he gives them a little foretaste of the grace and the glory that are merited by Passion Friday, by Good Friday. So we've got these three mountains. The grace that's merited that's transfiguring is not just something to make us look pretty, but it's also something that empowers us to actually listen, because this is the exhortation we hear, listen to him. It gives us the power to actually listen and obey the commands that Jesus gives to us in the Sermon on the Mount. Very, if anybody doubts that Christianity is a very challenging religion, just read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount, okay? That will dispel any doubts that you have. So we've got Sinai, though, is the backdrop of all of this. And there's a big difference between Sinai and what we're looking at with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. So if we go back to the story of Mount Sinai, we have the Ten Commandments being given they're given in a kind of a unique way to Moses because they're given publicly. They're given so that all of the children of Israel can hear them. We've all seen Cecil B. DeMille's, right, the Ten Commandments. He gets this right 
you know, in that, in that uh, movie production. And it's God's voice booming from the heavens with clouds and lightning and thunder and horns are blowing and all of these sorts of kind of fearsome, fearful things taking place. And the children of Israel are afraid of God. And they say to Moses after the Ten Commandments, they say, Moses, okay, we actually don't want to even hear anything more from God. Okay, so you go talk to him, and then you tell us what he says, and we'll, we'll follow what he says. But we don't want to hear from the mouth of God because it, it's frightening. Okay, and in contrast to the mediation that we see with Moses in the Old Testament, a mediation that in effect blocked us from God, we have a totally different kind of mediation in the New Testament. We have instead God himself taking to himself humanity in the person of Jesus Christ, uniting man and God, not separating them. You see, Moses stood between and separated God and man. Jesus unites God and man. It's like a door. You know, a door's got two things it can do, right? You can, it can be closed and block you, or it can be opened and let you through. The Old Testament is a closed door. The New Testament is an open door. Okay? It's the difference between Moses and Jesus. And, uh, you know, it says in, in the book of Exodus, when they're talking about Sinai, God actually says to Moses, make sure you clear out the area around the mountain the holy mountain. If anyone so much as touches it, they're going to be dead. <laughs> All right? So no touching the mountain, let alone God, for the Old Testament. What happens in the New Testament? Notice the thing that Jesus does. After the disciples, it's almost like they're sort of at Mount Sinai. They hear the voice of God from heaven and they're afraid. Right? But what does Jesus do? He reaches forth and he touches them and reassures them. Okay? In the Old Testament, we're afraid to touch God. In the New Testament, God himself initiates this communion and this touch. He himself reaches out and he touches us. What a beautiful contrast that is. Beautiful, beautiful contrast. And the, the key difference, my brothers and sisters, is the grace of God that Jesus merited for us on Mount Calvary that enables us to follow him as the new Moses who gives us his commands from the mountain upon which he gave his famous sermon in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the difference is not in, the, the law hasn't changed. You know, people have a misconception sometimes, I think. It's a very common misconception. Is that, you know, the Old Testament was really strict. The New Testament, Jesus is like happy-go-lucky. He said, don't worry about it. You know, there's, I've got no standards. You just, I just saw lovey-dovey-dovey. Don't worry about following the rules. That, he's not doing that. Read the Sermon on the Mount. The change is not in the law. The moral law, I should say. The change is not in the moral law, the Ten Commandments. The change is in us. You see, we're transfigured by God's grace that Jesus merited for us on Good Friday. We are risen from the death of our sins, from the death of our sinful desires. With that Easter grace, Merited for us on, at Good, on Good Friday. And that's all the difference. The difference is in us, not in the law itself. And, uh, you know, I got a little story here. I like this one a lot. A little 
you might have heard this before. Mark Twain said, you know, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I couldn't stand even be around the old man. But by the time I was 21, I was amazed as to how smart and how much he had learned in those just seven years. <laughs> so what's changed, right? Is it Mark Twain or is it, I'm sorry, is it, did his dad get smarter in seven years or did he change? Okay, so, so also for us, we view the law differently when we view it from within the, the arena of God's grace that Jesus won for us on Calvary. It's, it's, a, it's a totally different view. When you know, when I was a little kid, a little personal story, my, my dad, now unfortunately, first of all, let me just say this, all parents, so not to put a guilt trip on, on you too much, all parents fall short of perfection when it comes to, you know, <laughs> how they're supposed to raise their kids, right? But, you know, unfortunately, some, are, there's like real problems, you know, real, real dysfunction, and it leaves us a, a mark on the kids as they grow up in like a real serious manner, you know. So I don't want to minimize or, you know, that that's a real problem and a real serious issue. But we can thank God for the most part, you know, there are many good fathers, okay, who try their best and who do, they've got, they've got their children's best intentions at heart, and they're trying, to, trying their best, they're not perfect. And that would, my dad would fall into that category. So when he was a kid, though, and I just view him as a little child, he was kind of scary sometimes, all right? In fact, he never once hit me. But all he, what he did do was this, though. He would just put his hand on his belt as if he was going to take his belt out and hit me with his belt. And that, the, the fear of the thought of that was so scary, I would, whatever it was I was doing, I would stop and, and do the right thing. Okay, so, you know, as a, he, he, he presented it from a child's perspective. It was like, oh, he's an adversary. He's fearful. He's scary. But, you know, as I get older, you grow up, you realize, oh, he's on my side. Okay, he's not really against me. He's really for me. And he wanted what was good for me. Okay, and so also, too, that transfiguring grace, it affects a kind of maturation process in us spiritually. And so we look at the law from a different lens. I think we really do have a problem today when it comes to law and when it comes to rules. We just, we just hate rules. We hate law. We think that it's there just to kind of, the rules and the law are there to take away our fun and take away our freedom and to limit us and impose, you know, some kind of external alien imposition upon us and upon our autonomy and our well-being. That's not, that's not the truth of the matter. That's how we view law when we view it without God's grace. When we view it with God's grace, we see it as actually a reflection of God's wisdom that's reflected in the created order. It is the grammar, if you will, of the language of the human heart. It is the sheet music, if you will, of the song that is the human heart. And it's a, a key to the heart. It's an open doorway. It's not a closed doorway. It's an open doorway into human happiness and flourishing. So my brothers and sisters, as we travel through Lent towards the, the passion of our Lord on Good Friday and the joy of Easter and the resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday, we come to appreciate the law and our attempts, however imperfect they might be, to follow it with God's help, with the help of the grace that Jesus merited for us on Good Friday. And from within that wonderful loving embrace of grace, we are transfigured and we view all things 
uh, including the commandments of the Lord differently so that we can listen to the Son of God and follow him and obey him.